0: we were in negotiations. We're investing in real estate. They're winning. They're making money. What's up, everyone? Welcome to the Real Estate Educators Podcast, where we provide the education you can build on. I am your host, Kevin Amalsh. We're having such a great time with this podcast because we're helping real estate investors and real estate educators. So if you're an investor or if you're out there marketing to investors and trying to provide content to them, this is the podcast for you. I'm super excited to have uh, Mike Swinson on Swinson, right? Mm-hmm. on the podcast today for some reason i almost called you brad i was like where did that come from um, i I'm get Matt a lot have you. matt <laughs> yeah i get matt well, Mike, I'm, I'm happy to have you on, man, because you are in one of our primary markets, so I know a little bit about the Twin Cities. Um, you're a real estate agent and an investor, and on the agent side, you're really highly focused on helping other agents and investors, so I know you're starting to get into some syndications. You've been investing for a while, got a couple of apartment buildings in two different markets, so I'm excited to hear your story, so thanks, man. How, how's it going?
1: going good. I'm really excited to be on here, kevin, and and to be able to share my story and yeah, hopefully inspire people that are still trying to figure out their path um or you know maybe be a resource to help people that have questions. I just I love helping people. And so uh, that's
0: what I'm about. yeah, and I was on your podcast. I want to hear more about that your podcast, but well, I was on that, and I was very evident that you really do have a passion for helping people. Um, so let's, let's go, let's go back because before you can even help anybody, you got to actually have a little bit of success yourself. So how did you even get into real estate? Yeah. So
1: the, the funny thing is, is, uh, you know, I, I grew up my parents, you know, if you kind of boil it back to mindset and I'm realizing now how much, how I was raised affects my thinking, um, you know, raised, get a good job, uh, get stable benefits from your employer, contribute to your 401k. And so that was kind of my upbringing. I grew up middle class um and so that was that really helped align my thinking with safe stable, right? Uh, we get to college and I'm trying to decide what I want to major in. I know I want to go probably into business of, of some way, shape or form. Um, and I ended up ma- ended up majoring in entrepreneurship. Um, and the the intriguing part of that is I had zero desire to start my own company, but I really wanted to learn more than like a general business major. I really wanted to learn all about a business, how to run a business, how to grow a business, the marketing side. So I liked kind of the 360 aspect of Um, an entrepreneurship major. But while most of my classmates, you know, either took over the family business, started their own company, um, I went back to safe stable. The ironic piece was, um, I knew halfway through, since I wasn't going to start my own company, um, at that time, I mean, this is back in, you know, early 2000s, entrepreneurship wasn't kind of the buzz that it was today. A lot of people didn't even know what entrepreneurship was. So I had to explain it to people, but I knew a, a large employer, you know, that safe stable that I was going after wasn't going to hire somebody with an entrepreneurship degree. So I was going to add a second major, and it was either going to be finance or real estate. The funny thing was is real estate didn't really, you know, I wouldn't say a lot of people hired real estate majors right out of college. So that's where I went with finance. I always figured I could go back, get my real estate license if I wanted to do more with that. Um, kind of hindsight. <laughs> I wish I would have just done that right out of the gate. Um, So I ended up working for a nonprofit for 10 years, I started out uh, in the finance department, um, kind of as a financial analyst, that switched over to operations. um, And so kind of eight of those 10 years, I did operations and managed operations. but during that time, um, you know, my, my story is we bought a, a townhouse right after we got married. This was 2006. And I remember being super excited because it was a two-year-old townhouse complex and we bought it for less than the previous owners bought it for. So I thought we're getting a good deal, right? I was completely naive to what's happening here. I thought we were getting a good deal. Um, it appraised for over what we bought it for. So it was instant equity. Awesome. I felt really good. Um, had 100%. Financing on it uh, and then watched the market tank. And so, over the next couple of years, all of my neighbors, you know, short sale foreclosed on the property. And I had to decide, what do I want to do? Do we want to try to cut and run? At that time, my wife, so she was two years younger than me, um, she had just graduated. She was going to get her master's degree. So, she was in school. So, she nannied um, to, to be able to make some money. So, we didn't have a lot of money and we were completely underwater on our property. And so at that time, I was like, okay, I'm I'm a problem solver. So I, I talked to my lender and I said, hey, is there any way that we could pull off getting an additional property here if I could try to rent this out? And so for me, I think the learning lesson here is I wanted to kind of see uh, either the kind of the next step of the path so I could figure out how to get there um, and, and to be able to kind of put those steps together. So I was like, hey, is this even possible? And he said, uh, yeah, it, it is possible. Here's about what you'd qualify for on a loan. Um, but you'd obviously you know have to to rent it out. Because I wasn't a risk taker, um, we had to find somebody to rent this property first. And so uh, we had a friend, family, a uh, coworker of my wife's. Uh, her and her husband were were gonna move out east after they gra- or after they were finishing uh, their master's degree we're gonna move away in a couple of years. So they didn't want to buy a property. And so we rented to them, we bought a short sale. And so that was kind of my first step into real estate um, and real estate investing was um, taking that calculated risk. So it's kind of like, you know, this this safe stable bringing. I'm finally dipping my toe into the water of, of risk a little bit here. Um, but I ran the numbers, you know, as a financial analyst, you know, I love a good spreadsheet more than anybody else. I'll always have a reason to make a spreadsheet. Um, and so that's how I, I took that first risk. The second real estate risk that I took was, um, you know, we, we were at the bottom of the market kind of just after we had gotten our short sale. Um, my brother-in-law was looking for another place to live. And so properties were dirt cheap at that time. And so I was like, how do we make this work where, um, maybe I could buy it, fix up a property and rent it out to him. Um, we had, a um, in this case, my, my in-laws had a home equity line of credit that they were willing to, to use because it was helping their daughter, uh, my wife, and helping their son. Um, and so we kind of put our heads together and say, hey, let's let's try to do this. Um, so we, we bought a property for $36,000. This was kind b- of bottom, bottom of the market uh, in St. Paul, fixed it up. We found out after we bought it that if we didn't buy it, the city was going to tear it down um, and just uh, make it a, a, a lot. So we fixed it up, rented it out to him, rented it out. We found another roommate for him, um, did that for a couple of years and then sold that property. Um, and that's actually how I paid off my college. So with that that profit from that property, paid off my school loans. Um, and then I house hacked my own properties. I, I work uh, worked as a framer in college, um, building townhouse complexes. So I liked getting my hands dirty a little bit, um, liked working on those properties. So I kind of house hacked a little bit uh, and then went into real estate full time on the operations side in 2014. Uh, joined a residential real estate team uh, as kind of the director of operations, did that for six years. Uh, then started my own team in 2020. Um, actually the first day of me launching my own team was the first day of COVID shutdowns. And so at that point I just, I had just gotten my license. I had no clients, you know, really hadn't built up anything. Um, but as COVID happened, like our paths just kind of happened to, to cross at the right time where my first day working, building my team was first day of COVID shutdowns. So, um, had that. And then, Built a residential real estate team, started to work towards working with investors, getting more properties, which we'll dig into myself uh, in terms of us and, and helping other people invest. And then that's where we're at today. So I work uh, with investors um, all over Minnesota, a lot of them, uh, out of state investors that want to invest in Minnesota because they like that safe, stable, Midwestern um, cash flow appreciation opportunity, and then invest in properties myself.
0: So that's awesome. It's a very interesting story because you've seen some of the toughest times. Um, Now, COVID turned out to be not so tough, right? Because of all the free money coming in. But at the beginning, it was like you couldn't show a house, right? So that's probably rather scary for you. Um, Mm -hmm. But take me back to this first degree, the entrepreneurship. You went to school for entrepreneurship. Mm -hmm. Dude, Mike, I didn't even know that was a thing. Like We didn't have that. In Colorado, and it sounds like we graduated probably right around the same time, early two thousands. So I got my degree in finance, also. So we have some similarities there. But the entrepreneurship decision tripping me up a little bit because you didn't, you weren't brought up that way. So what made you do that?
1: Yeah, well, I was gonna say if uh, so, I mentioned business, so entrepreneurship and business. If it wasn't that, it was either going to be an elementary ed major. Or a music education major. So my path, my, my path in life could have went three very different ways. Um so, so for me, yeah, I, I was leaning towards business. Um, I, I wanted to do something in business. Um, and so I was looking at schools that had strong business backgrounds. And as it worked out, you know, so I'm in Minnesota, I grew up in southern Minnesota, so I looked at um, you know, what was kind of within hour or two hours of me that that had good business schools. Um, And so at that point, um, the University of St. Thomas was um, a, a school that was well known for business. And that year, they actually won the award. Now, it wasn't their undergrad program. It was their graduate program won the award for the best entrepreneurship program in the country. And so I was like, oh, that's pretty cool. Like, I have the opportunity to go to a school where they're really well known for this thing and it happens to be they're the best in the country at it. And so I remember talking to my parents saying, like, hey, maybe this is an opportunity where I get to go to a school that's the top school um, in the United States for entrepreneurship. And so it was that appeal of, you know, I, I was a, a a kind of a natural leader. Um, I was the drum major in high school, I was in student council. Um, I really was comfortable leading people. Um, and so I kind of felt like you know, putting that business with my leadership background um, would be really helpful, and so it was really, you know, it was kind of like the the cool thing to be able to say, "Hey, I'm going to the school where it's you know the the number one program in the in the United States um, for entrepreneurship." So it was kind of kind of that was the appeal, but I wanted to always do something inside of business. Um, but like I said before it was kind of that idea of it was a 360 degree view of business cuz it wasn't just marketing it wasn't just finance you know we talked about you know cash flow management um we did a lot of case studies um interviewing different businesses so i remember going and bringing you know going to businesses um we had guest speakers that came in and talked about their business um one of the cool things was um for those that uh, that know, you know the Geek Squad at Best Buy. Yeah. Um, the guy that started that before he sold it to Geek Squad, he came in and talked to our class. About building and growing his company, Um, and so this was even before he was known nationally for for you know essentially aligning with Best Buy, another Minnesota corporation. Um, But but he talked about building and growing Geek Squad, and and uh, so I learned you know learned some cool lessons from that. Um, We had franchises, you know, franchisors come in and talk about growing franchises. So just a lot of really cool business stories. Talking about leadership and management and and kind of all around is is really what attracted me to to entrepreneurship as as a degree
0: um, head awesome. knowledge not necessarily practicing it right out of the gate. <laughs> Dude, that is amazing. Uh, I I just want to I want to dig into this a little bit because I haven't I, I honestly I've never met anyone who's got who who did that. Um, most schools that I've seen or looked at didn't have an entrepreneurship program. Most entrepreneurs, you know we're out there on, we're on an Island, right? We're out there trying to figure it out ourselves. So you have this foundation built. It sounds like before you really got into it. So is there, if you can, Mike, is there a specific takeaway from your time studying entrepreneurship in college that helped you? Yeah, I think it was,
1: (laughs) I think it was just knowing, um, trusting the preparation that I had. Like I said, it it took me 10 years to be, well, 15 years to kind of take the full-on risk going away from a W-2 job. Um, but I, I think it was just decision-making, problem-solving, um, you know, that, that really helped me feel like I was capable of doing that. And maybe as I'm taking risks now, I, you know, people say, trust your gut. I feel like a my gut is built on hopefully a, a strong foundation of of learning and studying and and you know talking to my peers about the business world. So I feel like that was that was helpful to me. Um, and then at the end of the day, it's it's taking the risk. You know, like I think that's what I also learned was you had all these people that were willing to right out of college, start something. Um, Or like I said, take over the family business. Maybe it was, you know, Hey, my family's had this business for 20, 30, 40 years. I'm the one that eventually is going to take over that role. And so there was, you know, there was even a a sector of the entrepreneurship program talking about like family businesses and what was involved in that and, and taking over the family business. And so I think I learned there's people out there taking risks I maybe wasn't one of them at the time, and so I think it was like the voice in the back of my head, finally saying like I I am capable of doing this because I you know I'm a I'm a book smart person. We always used to joke in high school like book smarts were were natural to me. Kind of the street smart logic was was a little bit. Uh, it took me a while to to get over that, and to be able to to um, kind of trust trust myself. I'm I'm a head knowledge person, if that makes sense.
0: And you've you've had a lot of success, man. So I gotta, I mean, I gotta assume you're not regretting anything that you've done.
1: Uh, No, I'm not. And at the same time, I'll still say, uh, I still, I still feel, I I, I don't want to say I feel like a failure. I feel like I fail every day and it's it and maybe fails too strong of a word, but it's just like, I like being in uncomfortable situations And so it's kind of like this never-ending climb up a mountain, you know, talking to someone who just climbed Mount Kilimanjaro. Like, (laughs) I I feel like it's like this this entrepreneurial climb. Like, you're always looking, you're never satisfied with where you're at. Um, We just closed on, you know, on this 20-unit property on Friday. And now it's like, okay, what's next? You know, like instead of celebrating like, oh, we just closed on this awesome property. Um, now it's like, okay, what's the next one? What's the next one? And so I think that's kind of the difficulty of the, the entrepreneurial drive is, is I'm always looking for what's next and what's in the future versus maybe stopping sometimes and appreciating um, what I've done. And so, yeah, um, I've, ha- I've had success. And at the same time, my focus is on what's the next the next thing for me to accomplish
0: have you heard of the author dan sullivan i have yeah yep. yeah so the the gap in the game that one of his most popular right what you're saying right now just resonates with me cuz i'm currently listening to um 10x is easier than 2x and they've just went through the chapter on looking in the past and then looking forward and and how a lot of entrepreneurs <clears throat> aren't very happy with where, with where they're at, with their life. And it's hard to create happiness, you know, and, and entrepreneurs typically are always searching for that. Right. Yep. Um, so he he talks about the gap in the gain and how, um, if you could really focus on what you've accomplished instead of where you're going, it could really create some happiness. So I was just thinking that because what you just said, but for the listeners out there, if you haven't heard of Dan Sullivan, the gap in the gain is a phenomenal book to kind of bring this topic into perspective.
1: Yeah, I think you know I so I took a a personality test called Strengths Finders. It's it's a you know relatively popular one. I actually uh, taught it at my nonprofit because we we did that. Everybody that was hired um, took the Strengths Finders test. So it would really help you to understand yourself, understand who you're working with, and maybe kind of see where some of those challenges when you're communicating with each other, working with each other. It's like oh because of their top five strengths. This is why maybe it's sometimes we don't always see eye to eye. Um, but, but consistently, I, I took it two or three times over the 10 years and Achiever was always my number one or number two. And the other one was responsibility. And so what they talk about with the Achiever um, strength is every day begins at zero It's like, you know, what's ever happened in the past is, is, is gone. It's a blank slate. And it's like, what did I get done today? All these little check boxes of what did I do today? And so that's kind of what it's like. Like I have a hard time on vacation, enjoying vacation because I'm thinking about the things that I have to get back to. Like, you know, for me, success is kind of Accomplishing the next thing or doing the next thing. And so um, even on vacations, you know, my wife and I used to, I would say we would um have a, a pretty tight agenda of what we were going to do on vacation because it was like this day we're going here, this day we're going here in the morning. We're gonna do this, in the afternoon, we're gonna do this. The idea of going and sitting on a beach for five hours, like is is mind-boggling to me. Like, I can't sit. Um, I could sit and watch a sporting event, um, but sitting on a beach, relaxing, it's like, I gotta be doing something, um, to move forward. And so that's, that's probably a a little bit where that, that restlessness comes from is just that achiever strength where I just, I just have a hard
0: time sitting and doing nothing. Um, so yeah. Yeah. I think that's super common, man. I I have the same, and I'm sure a lot of listeners can relate. A lot of entrepreneurs can relate. Um. So I, and I think that's why we are high achievers too. So I think that's good. I want, I want to ask you about your transition into entrepreneurship, because it sounds like that might've been a bit of a struggle for you. So how, how did you like, how did you overcome that fear of that security, the safety that you were, you grown up searching for? Yeah,
1: I, I think it was, was two things. Um, number one, uh, from a financial standpoint, I realized that I was kind of limited, um, unless I did something on my own. So when I worked for a nonprofit for 10 years, uh, I kind of, the reason why I re- went into real estate on the operations side is I felt like I hit a ceiling, a ceiling of achievement where, you know, I was kind of in a director type role. And the next step was kind of the C-level role, um, either as a CFO or C, uh, COO, and those people had been in their role for 20, 20 years more than me you know like they were 40s 50s year year old i was the 20 something and it's like for me to get that job i'd have to do the same job for the next 10 years and get my 2% 3% pay raise and i was like okay i can't i can't do that cuz now i'm having kids and paying for health insurance and all that kind of stuff so i kind of saw this path wasn't going to end well, if I kind of stayed at that income level. So I moved to real estate to get more opportunity. However, it was on the operations admin side. And I kind of saw the the same ceiling there where, while I was making good money um, I didn't have a say necessarily of making more, you know, to be able to two X or three X my income, I could make 5% more, maybe 10% more, depending on some of the bonuses that I hit. But really that unlimited ceiling was a little bit limiting. And so because I was helping on the operations side helping real estate agents make more money, build and grow their teams, um, you know, I the funny thing was is I didn't have a real estate license, but I was training new agents on the basics, the systems, the operations, the scripts, you know, all of that stuff. I could recite all the scripts, and I had never set them live to a buyer or seller, but I knew them because I had wrote, helped write them and train them. Um, and so it was, you know, kind of this idea of I've helped other people build their wealth for so many years. Now it's time for me to go out on my own. and and yeah, you're right, it was scary because I'm not naturally wired. I, I tell people I'm not naturally a risk taker, but if you look at the things I've done, the outsider might say, "Yeah, Mike, you are a risk taker," but I've never really felt like that's me. Um, but this this kind of limit on the financial side, mixed with watching other people, you know, be able to go out on their own and, and hit these unlimited amounts of money, I was like, "Okay, I'm I'm ready now." <laughs> Ten years after my entrepreneurship degree, uh, well, fifteen years after my entrepreneurship degree, to finally be able to go out and do the thing that you know, I, I jokingly tell people. Um, I'm I'm one of the few people that actually gets to say I'm doing
0: what I went to college for. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. that's right. Uh, It just 15 years (laughs) later. So that's so awesome. (laughs) Yeah. So it's you know it's Tony Robbins. It says every decision we make is based on either the pursuit of pleasure or the avoidance of pain. I'm sure you've heard this, and the pain is so much more powerful than a pursuit of pleasure. So for you like having a baby and starting a family and needing to create the income kind of drove you towards the pursuit of pleasure so it's that that pain avoidance does that sound accurate Mm -hmm. yeah Yeah.
1: and and i i had just interviewed somebody on on my podcast that was talking about going into real estate um now is a good time to start because i don't have kids yet and i said you know Going and starting real estate and quitting your, your goods, you know, W2 job when you have three kids, <laughs> like that's, that's scary. It's so scary. Quite, kind of going back to me saying, I'm not a risk taker. Well, I did that. You know, I did say I'm done with my W2 when I had three kids um, and a, and a wife that was working part time. Like, yeah, that's, that's a risk. Um, but you know, I'm, I'm betting on myself here. So yeah, it's, it's been fun.
0: This episode is brought to you by Pine Financial Group. Pine Financial is a private lender specializing in short-term rehab lending to real estate investors. Got a property that needs some love? We can help. We are able to offer funding solutions because we raise private money from individual investors. With more than 15 years of experience, Pine offers passive investors an alternative that provides stability, consistency, and security to your portfolio. If you like real estate, but want to avoid the ups and downs and effort, a Pine Mortgage Fund could be a perfect fit for you. Accredited investors will experience an 8% preferred return and profit sharing. Diversify your portfolio out of Wall Street and into Main Street with a Pine Financial Group Mortgage Fund. Get more information at pinefinancialgroup.com. That's pinefinancialgroup.com. Yeah, and then you 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 had to succeed at that point. So <laughs> yeah, I'm a big football fan. I see you, you behind you all the the... Awesome NFL helmets there. Of course, the Broncos are not on there, so we're gonna to have to talk about that. But so I'm a big I'm a big Bronco fan, and John always was like famously said um, that he was asked, "Well, like, what's your Plan B?" He's like, "Plan B? There is no Plan B. This is Plan A. Mm-hmm. This is where I'm going." So, um, yeah. a lot of times, that's what it takes to be successful. Now, let's get into your investing. So, you own a couple of apartment buildings. You just closed on one. You were pretty excited about um, twenty units, and you were able to put this together because of your network that you've created. So let's talk about what is the deal, tell us how you put it together, and then let's go from there. Yeah, so
1: I, I really get excited, uh, like I said before, kind of helping other people succeed. Um, you know, my one of my mantras going back to my days at, at the nonprofit, we, we talked about, you know, if you wanna go fast, go alone, if you wanna go far, go together. And so that's kind of been been one of my mantras that I've had. And so it's this idea of uh and, and and I think that's that's backed in my background of support, right? As an operations support person, um, you know, we've talked about this analogy of you know the when an army proceeds to take over another country or another territory, like you've got the troops that are out in the front lines, you know, moving forward and 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 moving that line ahead. But you can only go so fast because you have to have the people behind them that are providing the food, making sure you have the shelter and all that. Because if a soldier just runs as fast as they can ahead, well, then they're not going to have a place to eat or a place to sleep. And so it's that support behind them. And so I probably move slower than kind of the average entrepreneur because I have this idea of I want the support to be behind. um, But I really don't want to succeed alone. I want to have others succeed along with me. And so, for me, this this new twenty-unit property, you know, we did it as a syndication. Uh, we did it with most of the investors being agents on my real estate team. So I'm on the the pinnacle team. Um, we have agents in Minnesota, Wisconsin, and Florida. And a lot of them, because their focus is on residential real estate, they've never invested before or thought about investing. And what's held them up is they don't know where to start. They don't know who to talk to. They don't know what type of strategy. And so they're kind of hung up, even though they're in real estate full-time. Like You see a lot of people outside of real estate jump in and become investors, but they're in it all day long and still feel a little bit handicapped, like I don't know what to do to move forward. And so my thought was, I'll make it as easy as possible for you. So, um, so when I joined the team, I, I, I had my own team. I merged in with the Pinnacle team a few months back uh, with the idea of me launching an investor division of their team. And so part of that was I was doing a boot camp where it was, here's everything that I can teach you in four weeks about investing in real estate. So we had you know, kind of just fire hose, throw as much stuff at them. Here's the different strategies. Here's a deal calculator. Here's how you start to run numbers, just giving them a a basic toolkit of everything. And the feedback we heard is I'm overwhelmed. There's so much stuff. And I said, I get it, but we're trying to just give you the toolkit and then we'll dive in deeper as we go. Uh, But the funny thing was, as we're going through these four weeks of class, we run across this great 20 unit apartment building and we kind of said like, Hey, I, th- I think this might be the deal that, um, you know, we, we, when I came onto the team, I shared this vision of, I want to help the agents invest themselves, um, find deals, do it together. Cause it uh, side, side note, um, side soapbox, uh, real estate agents on teams. Like there's kind of this never ending cycle of like, I, I joined this team. I joined this team. I joined this brokerage. I joined that brokerage. And so I really want people to feel like this is my home. I can, build wealth, grow my income, and belong here for a long period of time. Well, I want people when they join a real estate team to feel like I've got something to show for my time here. And that's through growing my income and building my wealth. And by building my wealth, it's how do we help them maybe invest in real estate? So then they're going to want to stick around too. So I shared this vision and this is why I decided to merge because the, the team owner had a shared vision with me so back to doing these classes, you know, they're feeling overwhelmed, like, oh, my gosh, I don't know how to start the conversation. And I, I kind of felt like, OK, here's how we can push the easy button for you. If you haven't invested before, you can invest in this syndication. We found the property. We'll do all the work. We'll help manage it. You basically put up your money. We'll keep you in the loop for the you know monthly for as long as we hold this property, three to five years, whatever it might be. And here you go. So I kind of made it as as simple as possible. And so, uh, you know, we had an attorney draft up all the documents. And yeah, out of the investors that we had, about 70% of them were agents on our team, uh, now getting to invest in real estate because. We're we're making it as simple and as passive as possible for them, uh, and then for the other thirty percent of the investors, um, it's it's people that are you know haven't invested before. We had one who previously had their own single family property, um, but the other ones hadn't invested before, so it's their first deal. And you know it, it's really cool because I got an email saying you know thanks, Mike. Like this is a dream come true. I've I've wanted to invest um, because one of my investors I I had a conversation with her about six months back of she's like how do I get started investing. I shared a few things, but you kind of get stuck on what you don't know, trying to find the property. How do I manage the property and all that? And so I told her like, hey, we've got this deal. You can basically put put your money into it and we'll run it. We'll keep you in the loop. It's somebody I worked for, actually worked with at my nonprofit. Um and she's like, Mike, this is a dream come true. I now get to invest in real estate. Um, I'm busy over here, not in real estate, doing my thing, but now I get to make money off of real estate because of what you're doing. So it's that helping people, bringing people along with me, um, helping them accomplish their goals with me being playing a part in that is is really what drives me.
0: I love this so much. So you first of all, you're building a network because they're agents on your team and you're building relationships with them. That's how you build a network. You actually build a relationship. It's not handing out your business card at the at the RIA, right? It's knowing who they are. Um, so you're doing that. Now you're trying to help them. So you're adding value. Your primary goal is to add value first and then it reciprocates, right? Um, and now you have people that are getting into the business. You're really changing their life. This is huge, man. Um, but let me ask you this. So you these agents want the education and they want to invest in real estate and you're giving them a passive investment opportunity. So, ha- and I know it's still new to you, but are they, are they like calling you? Like, what are you doing? How are like trying to learn through the process or are they really a passive investor?
1: Yeah. So it's, it's a different mix. I would say out of the team, there's, there's a handful of them that are really leaning into the investment side. Um, a handful of them want to lean into the investment side but aren't ready to take action and then there's a handful of them that uh, don't want anything to do with it and would rather just we do it. you know so I think it really depends on their personality. Um, but the thing that always struck me and so this is this is kind of why I've stuck with the investment side of real estate is when I came over on the admin side, I assumed that agents were making a bunch of money. I assumed that they had a lot of wealth and there's you know there's that top tier that really are killing it you know making multiple six figures and all that but there's so many agents that are just struggling it's like i i need that next commission to pay my rent and i may not even be a homeowner as an agent you know that was another surprise i assumed you're buying what you're selling you know but but people didn't have maybe didn't have enough money to save up and buy their own home or you know didn't know if this is where they were going to be long term so they didn't want to buy a home so i always was so surprised of how many agents Aren't utilizing real estate and investing in real estate as their future path, and so that's another kind of soapbox thing for me. Is I want to sh- to hopefully show agents like you're you're in the right spot. You know you don't you don't have to look elsewhere. You don't have to do anything else. Like you are in the right industry. And for people that are you know stockbrokers, if I get inside information and I make money because of the inside information I have, I'm going to go to jail for insider trading. In real estate, I have access to all the information that I need, all the tools, all the resources, and I'm not taking advantage of that. Um, I'm doing myself a disservice. And so that's where I'm so passionate about helping people in real estate see the gold mine they're sitting on and wanting to reduce the barriers they're putting in their own path to show them how to succeed in real estate. And so um, whether it's, yeah, if I have to help, if if they want to kind of take it and run with it, I'm happy to give them information. If they want to just put their money into a deal, I'm happy to do that too. So kind of meet them where they're at and help them get started. Because once they get in it, they're going to start to learn more. Um, But it's that going from nothing to something
0: that seems to trip up a lot of, a lot of, yeah and they might have confidence like i mean look you know this it's scary it's mm-hmm. scary to go out and buy your first investment property so you're creating a very easy the easy button right you're a very easy way to get in maybe it builds their confidence a little bit and as they get their knowledge through your boot camp and now you're they're seeing the cash flow maybe though they will go out and buy it on their own and now mm-hmm. you really are changing their life mm-hmm. uh, on this 4 week boot camp like how did that where did that idea even come from
1: um, I, <laughs> we had a lot of questions from agents. Um, they, they didn't know how to get started. And so I just, I came up with it and said, let's try to give you as much information as we can in, in a, sh- a reasonable period of time. So at least you feel like you have kind of going back to the confidence, at least you can guide a conversation perhaps with an, uh, somebody in your database. Cause the, the longer term play here is, is, is I'm helping the agents But they have databases of hundreds of people that also need to learn how to invest in real estate. And so I see it as I'm hopefully empowering the agent to have those conversations with their database, similar to how I'm having the conversation with them. So if they want to talk to somebody in their database about getting started investing in real estate, it could be here's this guy, Mike, talk to him. (laughs) Or it could be, I can now have a, a reasonable conversation to help point them in the right path. Or here's this opportunity our team is doing together and you can just passively invest. So I was looking at it as trying to give them the toolkit that they can use to have a reasonably intelligent conversation. Now, they would probably come back and tell you, I don't feel like I'm confident to have that conversation yet, but I'm not going anywhere. Like, that's why I'm on the team. We're gonna continue to have these conversations. It's, It's not a one and done type thing, but at least give them enough to where they feel like, Oh oh you need to you need to learn how to to calculate a a deal. Here's this deal calculator we have. Or um the thing that I'm telling them is if somebody comes to them and says I want to invest in real estate, like what questions can I ask to learn more about that? Like an active investor versus a passive investor, uh, a fix and flipper versus a buy and hold or a short term rental, like trying to figure out what are they trying to accomplish cuz so many people like watch a show hear a webinar, you know, go to a seminar and it's like, "Oh, I feel like I have to buy foreclosures because this person made a million dollars buying foreclosures and it's like it's
0: exactly what I did."
1: That might not be the right path for you. So right. trying to find the path that fits your lifestyle, fits your job and where you're at in life and it helps you accomplish the right goals. I I tell people, you know, my goal is to be the real estate matchmaker. I want to match what you want to do with the type of property or the type of strategy that's going to be a fit for you. And it might not be me, um, you know, it might be different options, but at least to know enough people in the industry where I can say, oh, you want to do this, you should go talk to so-and-so because they can really help you with what you're looking for. So I think helping the agents kind of have enough information to, to, to feel like they could guide a conversation.
0: And they don't learn that in school. They don't learn that in real estate school. It's amazing to me. I've never been through it, so I don't know. You could correct me if I'm wrong here, but um, I am absolutely amazed at how little agents learn about real estate in real estate school. It's Mm -hmm. it's about the agreements and keeping yourself safe. It's not about actually transacting business or helping their client. It's very bizarre.
1: Yeah. And even for the people on the residential side, there's really not much out there for investors. I remember uh, when I got my license uh, as part of continuing ed, I took classes where it was like working with investors or I tried to pick like the most somewhat investor related topics. I wouldn't say I came out of that with anything that I really learned. It was, you know, kind of the head knowledge, but people just have a hard time doing it and and applying yeah. and and feeling like I don't know what I don't know, but I got to go figure it out. I think that yeah. it just that's what trips people up. So yeah, so I think at the least just showing people I can be a resource to help you. Um, your your investment strategy might change over time, but it's it's really figuring out how to get people started. Because to your point before, once you get started, you get some confidence and then you can build and grow off of that. And yeah, your first deal might be a passive investment in an, ap- an apartment complex, but maybe later in life, you decide you want to be a fix and flipper. Um, and so you do that, but you got that start because you had that first exposure um, through a very simple easy way to get started investment deal as
0: a syndication. I totally agree with you. All right. Is this a good, is that boot bootcamp um, a good recruiting tool? Do you use it as a recruiting tool or what benefits are you, are you getting out of, I mean, I know you got the syndication and you got these relationships, but what other benefits are you getting out of it?
1: Yeah, for, for me, it's uh, yeah, it's something as we continue to grow the team um, you know, I want to differentiate <clears throat> our team from other teams out there. Um, now, most teams, yeah, you're talking about uh, how many leads am I getting? What database am I using the transaction coordination and all that? And I almost want to say, okay, great. And what are you actually doing? You know, I, I had kind of mentioned this earlier, like being a part of this team, what are you going to get out of it long-term? You know, I, I'm kind of looking for that uh, end cap thing that's going to want to keep people sticky to a team, and do something completely different than every other team does. And so that's why you know we we even tried to do that in in when I was on the residential side in the operations, like find ways to have a completely different conversation than everybody else was having. Because if I'm an agent, you know, re- interviewing people for teams, it's yeah, what are your leads? What are your splits? Um, because a lot of times people want to join a team to get that basic information so they can go off on their own. And like I said, kind of that that mantra of if you want to go fast, if go alone, if you want to go far to go together, I really believe like there's a lot of value on a real estate team and we can do a lot more together. And so if I can help you build wealth through investing in real estate, you're going to want to stick around on the team because we're investing together. We're helping you Fine deals, you know, apartment deals. Um, How many other real estate teams out there can say I invested in a twenty-unit apartment with my team? There's not a lot of people out there even talking about investing together because their mind goes to, well, what happens when that agent leaves my team? What are we going to (laughs) do? You know? And I was like, why don't why don't we treat people like you're going to be a part of this team for a while? And yeah, any agent that's a part of this apartment complex deal can leave the team. But there's, we're still connected on the syndication, and if I still help you, you know, double your money in five years, you know, that's kind of what the the general rule of thumb that a lot of syndicators talk about. Like, if I can still help you do that, you may not be on our team in the future, but you still might want to invest in our deals because we're helping you to build wealth. And so, I think it creates a culture of not this, what are you going to do for me right now? But hey, let's go somewhere together and let's build something really cool together.
0: Yeah, I love it. We have we have the same values in our company, and we do once a month. We do a mastermind where we all get together, the entire team. It's it's an optional meeting, but it, the entire team gets together and we just talk about our what deals are we working on outside of Pine Financial. Like, what how are your rentals going? What's what flip are you working on? And and I think that really does help with retention and loyalty and teamwork and all the things that you want as a company. So I I really commend you for for what you're doing. Um, I want to talk quickly about your podcast, Mike, and then and then we can wrap this up. I know we're going a little long here, but a fantastic conversation. So tell me a little bit about your podcast. Um, what's it about? How do we how do we listen in?
1: Yeah, so the podcast is real freedom. Uh, it's R-E-L, which stands for real estate leveraged freedom. Um, I jokingly tell people I, I made that because I couldn't get the URL real with R-E-A-L, but real estate leveraged freedom still makes a lot of sense. Uh so I I made that back in fall of 2020 is when I launched it um because I was moving from from being on the admin side to having my own team um I wanted to be able to interview other people to see how they're building wealth in real estate and so it, whether it's agents whether it's investors whether it's ad people building admin companies within real estate like anybody that's pursuing some sort of time and financial freedom through real estate I wanted to interview them so they could share their story about what they're doing, how they're doing it, because I know there's so many people that sit on the sidelines not knowing what to do. And I want somebody to tune in and say, oh, I heard Kevin's story and Kevin aligns with me like we're we're similar background. We think similarly. This is what he did. I want to go do that, too. Um, And so so that's why my my podcast is really having people come on and tell their stories. And, and we dig in a little bit, you know, somebody that. Does short term rentals, we get into the nuts and bolts. Um, you know, somebody that has built Pine Financial Group, we get into the nuts and bolts of your story, your company, your investing journey. Uh, but it's really to be able to help find stories that resonate with people and hopefully inspire them too. Uh, I, you know, I, I just got off another podcast interview where the person was talking about struggling with mindset being newer in real estate. That's, you know, whether you're leading a, a company, you're an agent, you're doing something else. Like you're always struggling with mindset in some way, shape or form. So it's encouraging to hear people say, I'm struggling with that. And so, yeah, we we tell different stories. Uh, we have episodes that come out Tuesdays and Thursdays. We now have two days a week, um, but I, I interview people and it's just that pursuit of time and financial freedom through real estate. And whatever the story is, we, we go in that direction, share their background, talk about what they're doing and, and hopefully inspire people along the way.
0: That's great. And so if there's a listener listening into this podcast that is thinking about starting their own podcast, um what advice would you give them? Do it. <laughs> <laughs> I'd love it. I
1: I you know, I when I first started the podcast, I didn't plan on doing a podcast. Now, I even I even jokingly said, oh, "I'm not going to be like everybody else and say I'm starting a podcast." Um I did want to interview people and put those interviews on YouTube, um but it wasn't meant to be a podcast. And I remember a couple of things that resonated with me. One was uh, a, a podcaster talking about leaving a legacy. And they said, you know, when you're creating this, these videos, creating this content, um, it's something where, you know, long after I'm gone and, and who knows, maybe there'll be some other technology down the road that replaces the internet and and YouTube and TikTok and all of that. But it's cool to think about, like, my kids can go watch my videos down the road. Like when I'm I'm long gone or I've got dementia and I don't remember who they are, they can come back and watch here's dad's videos. And so there was kind of this legacy piece that was really cool that made me decide to do it. Um, The other thing is networking, building great relationships. um, People are surprised to know I'm an extreme introvert. If we're in a group of 20 people, I'm the person standing by the door that wants to get out of there because I always tell people like, I don't. It's not that I don't like people. I love one-on-one, one-on-two type of conversations, but I can't the the ten people standing around talking like I have a hard time with that. Um, so this is great networking, uh, and and for me, like I said, being that real estate matchmaker to be able to kind of know who can I connect people to, uh, that's really I- I exciting for me to help people. So if if you're thinking about starting a podcast, it's it's not that hard. Zoom Zoom provides great technology. Uh, there's a, a a tool called Buzzsprout. Um, it's very simple. You put, you upload your episode, and it can syndicate out to all the different podcast players. Um, so you can do it for very inexpensive. And uh, if I know I'm going to be interviewing somebody once a week, now it's I've got to go find a great guest. And so, uh, and then going to two episodes per week, I've got to find two great guests that I can interview for every episode. And so, uh, it's good networking, but but down the road unlimited opportunity can come from this because I can help people point people in the right direction and and hopefully add a lot of value to people through the podcast. So, um, it's been, it's been a phenomenal thing. I think we're, we're about to hit 200 episodes. Um, and so I'm, I'm not going anywhere. I think they said like 90% of people only record five episodes. Um, and so once you get past that five, um, you're, you're home
0: free. (laughs) Yeah. Yep. It, 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 it takes a little while, right? You got to be very consistent. And as long as you're consistent and, and you're patient, um, it works, right? And then you, that's really, I mean, you'll get benefit, business benefit. You're going to meet phenomenal people like Mike and and you, you'll make some money on it. But you, you really are going to help people too, yep. like like what you're saying. And that's, that's really what this is about. So, all right, well, let's wrap this up, man. Is there any other pieces of wisdom, nuggets, advice that you could share with us?
1: Yeah. For me, it's about find a way to get started. If if you haven't invested in real estate yet, um, manufacture a win and it doesn't have to be a hundred percent. You partner up with somebody who's got experience and has done it before. Um, and, and just kind of latch onto that experience. You know, people that um, even on the syndication space, people that, you know, eventually do these big deals, they got started because they partnered with somebody bigger than them, more experienced with them. And so- You know, for you, it's kind of find somebody who you might know and trust that's doing what you might be interested in doing as it relates to real estate investing, and just say, "Hey, how can I come along? How can I add some value um, to what you're doing?" And you're gonna learn learn along the way. And the other thing I always tell people is, uh, your first deal, treat it as an education. Don't plan to make money. If you make money, great. Like that's the point of it long term. But if I want to go back. Uh, you know, if if I was working my W-2 job and I wanted to find a way to increase my, my, my income, I'd go back to school and get my master's degree so I could get a higher paying job, right? It's the same way here. I'm gonna go get my master's in real estate investing by investing in a deal. And it might cost me five, 10, 20, 30000 dollars to do that, but a master's degree is probably gonna cost you a heck of a lot more than that. And you're gonna gain a lot of experience from that, that you can then use to make more money in the future. So treat treat it as an education expense um, and, and don't be afraid to get going.
0: I love that advice. Um, so, you know, I, I think it's Kiyosaki that says, um, he defines leverage as the ability to do more with less. Very simple. And so you're talking about, we talk a lot about leveraging money, but what you're talking about here, Mike, is, is leveraging other people. And that's absolutely the case. And you can accomplish a lot when you do that. Um, How can our listeners leverage you? Is there anything you could do to help?
1: Yeah. So if, I mean, if you want to, you know, learn more, I mean, I'm, I'm always happy to help people. Um, And so I have a website. um, Well, the, it, it points to real freedom, but freedom through real estate.com. You can go there, you can. Uh, there's a kind of a learn button a connect button um you can you can find a way to connect with me there but freedomthroughrealestate.com um and really everybody's in a different spot on their journey and if you just want to reach out and and talk to me about how do i get to my first step how do i get to my next step if it's not me i want to point you to the right person and so um, i really want to remove the barrier of i don't know what to do, or I don't know what to do next in my real estate investing journey. So if there's any way I can help with people, people out with that, um, you know, re- reach out to me and and let's have a conversation or shoot me a text and yeah, we'll, we'll figure it out so that you, you don't feel like you, you can't do it or you're doing
0: it alone. Oh, that's awesome. And I, I just want to, I, I have to say this because you're so giving. Um, so if you're going to take advantage of this, if you're going to call mike and 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 talk to him and and try to work together maybe invest in a project or whatever it is just be respectful of his time because i know a lot of people will will reach out and just want to suck 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 and take 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 and i i'm just so sensitive to that so um, i just want to i just want to share that because you're being very kind to to say what you're saying so i just want people to respect that so again it's freedom through realestate.com you can connect with mike Swenson. Out of the Twin Cities, a fantastic place to be. Um, that's the best way to reach you then at the website? Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. There's a, right. there's a button to book a call there. So. All right, freedomthroughrealestate.com. Check out his podcast as well. And with that, I'm going to ask that if you haven't yet, leave us a five-star review. We're working really hard to bring value and share it with your friend. And with that, I hope you have a fantastic day. Hey guys, I hope you enjoyed this episode as much as I did. If you did, please be sure to follow and leave us a review. Oh yeah, and tell a friend.